Hello and welcome to the Sex, Life, and Marriage Podcast. My name is JD and I blog over at Uncovering Intimacy about all things marriage and sex and intimacy related. Uh, today we're going to be answering uh, nine questions from our anonymous Have a Question page uh, that came up in September. First, I want to let you know about a product we have for sale in our store. Uh, last year, we created something called the Intimacy Advent Calendar. And it's basically this idea that, uh, I don't know if you remember having Advent calendars as a kid, that like every day before Christmas, uh, you'd open up something, a drawer or a window or whatever, and get like a chocolate or a toy or a candy something. Uh, the idea was to create excitement about Christmas. And I thought, you know, it'd be cool if we had something like that for adults, for couples, to help them focus on intimacy during the season, because all too often, Christmas kind of gets, uh, it becomes this time of like a lot of stress and just go, 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 and you're focused so much more on logistics than on relationships, especially your marriage. And that can cause a lot of stress. Uh, in fact, uh, the whole holiday season, uh, causes a lot of marital problems for people. So I wanted to build something that would help them focus on each other and as well create some excitement around Christmas time because I think Christmas should be fun. So I built this printable that basically is it's a PDF that you can print off at home. Uh, you can print them on like those Avery business card type things so you don't have to cut them out yourself. And uh, it's basically a series of coupons. You pick out 25 of them for December that you give to your spouse, and uh, each one is something. We have a set that's just romantic stuff, so no sex included. There's a sexy set as well that has a lot of sexual activities, and then there's what we call the black label set, uh, set, which if you enjoy all of our like edgier posts and questions and comments about all the things that lots of people do but nobody talks about, um, then you'll like that one. Uh, Actually, if you buy the black label one, you get the other two. If you buy the sexy one, you get the romantic one as well. So you don't have to buy two versions. The higher versions include the lower ones. And uh, the feedback that I get from people who buy them and use them is great. They love it. I got so many emails from people saying that it greatly improved their, their marriage during the Christmas season. You know, that was a lot of fun. I got responses from husbands and wives, uh, high drive and low drive spouses, and everyone seemed to enjoy it, um, either because they got more sex, which they like, or because, you know, it gave them something to focus on uh, that was fun and helped them kind of gear up for events later that night kind of thing. Uh, they knew all day long, well, this is what we're doing later, so it helped them kind of shift into that mindset. So if you're looking for a present that will help you boost intimacy during the Christmas kind of season, uh, during all of se- December actually, uh, you can go check that out. There will be a link in the show notes. Uh, the low set is 10 bucks, so it's not going to break the bank. You can print it right away at home. You don't have to have special paper. You can cut them out yourself. So you still have a week left uh, until December starts. If you're interested, check it out. Moving on, let's get to the questions. So, question one is about a deployed husband. She writes, My husband recently deployed and will be halfway across the world for almost an entire year. Our time zones are almost completely opposite, so he's asleep while I'm awake and vice versa, except for a few hours, mornings and evenings. It's hit or miss if we even catch him at those times, and often my kids are with me wanting to talk to daddy, the two toddler boys. What do you recommend for us? He's hired drive, and I know you're against masturbation, but I 
also would rather he masturbate to pictures of me than to be tempted by other women. What are our other alternatives? Obviously, we will try to message and video chat as often as we can, but it's not looking like that will be very often. On my end, I'm at the tail end of breastfeeding, and my drive has been low for almost four years since our oldest was born, but I can feel it starting to return. Inconveniently, he just left. What do you recommend to avoid remission, connecting with each other, long distance, etc.? I really enjoyed listening to your podcast and reading your blog. I love your perspective on everything, even if I don't 100% agree, though I usually do agree. And I'm glad you're here posting and helping people work through this stuff. It's very important. I look forward to your response. So that is a difficult situation. Uh, and let me preface this by saying that I've never served nor really know anyone else who has served in any kind of military capacity at all. You know, uh, for some, my lack of ex- personal experience invalidates me even having an opinion. So if that's you, then just stop listening and skip to the next one because I'm either going to say something that you already agree with or you're going to disagree and get upset because how dare I? Now, for those who, of my readers who know, already know, um, that I'm not or nor have ever been in the military, you probably already know what my answer is going to be as well, but I'll reiterate it for those who don't. So, I don't believe that solo masturbation is in line with God's plan for sex. I believe God created sex to be connecting a shared experience between a husband and a wife together and with no one else. Um, solo masturbation is neither connected nor shared nor between a husband and a wife. It's, well, solo. So, all the things that the Bible tells us sex is good for, you know, procreation, emotional connection, shared recreation, etc., are invalidated when you masturbate alone. You're basically using sex in a way that God didn't intend. Um, that goes the same for premarital sex, affairs, threesomes, and all the other gamut of stuff. Unfortunately, our culture has turned sex into a personal need rather than a racial, relational need. We believe that... Uh, we each individually need sex in order to survive. And this leads to statements uh, like this person wrote in, I would rather he masturbate to pictures of me rather than be tempted by other women. And it's as if those two options, uh, masturbate or have an affair, are the only ones available. Unfortunately, we're arguing between shades of sin here. Either he has an affair with somebody or he's... Or he has one alone. You know, he either breaks the marriage vow with another person or he does it by himself. Because either way, he's going to be spending his time deployed learning how to have sex with someone other than his wife. Either that with somebody else or with himself. Uh, neither of which is beneficial to reintegration of the marriage down the road. Uh, it's just going to add to the struggle when situations like this tend to already have large struggles. Of course, this leads to the question, then, what are our other alternatives? And here's where people get angry. Uh, I think they get angry because they feel convicted, and it's easier to get angry than to be confronted by the truth and do some self-examination that's required. I think the answer is patience and self-control. You know, I can pull a dozen verses telling you that Christians need to be patient and have self-control, but frankly, you probably already know it's in the Bible and can find a reason to rationalize away every verse. Uh or you're going to know it and be convicted. So I'm not going to bother citing them all. Uh, to me, the only Christian response to the problem of I can't have sex when I want it are those two virtues, patience and self-control. And it doesn't really matter what the scenario is. It could be that you get aroused during church. It's not a good time. You should not have sex when you want it right then. Uh, you desire to have sex with your girlfriend or boyfriend. You're not married. Shouldn't have it. 
you should exercise patience and self-control. You know, if you're single and just horny, if you get propositioned by someone who isn't your spouse, if your spouse divorces you, but you're still having sex, if your spouse dies and you miss their touch, if they're sick, if they're exhausted, if you just had a baby, if they're on a business trip or if they're deployed, there are a hundred times and reasons why it's inappropriate to have sex. And the answer to all of them is exercising self-control and patience. And that response, and only that response, actually improves your relationship. It improves your character, which is part of the Christian walk. It gives us opportunities to be more Christ-like. Any alternatives I've seen from masturbation to affairs to open marriages to polygamy just lead to you damaging your relationship with your spouse, either present or future, and damages your character. You know, we're not supposed to have everything that we want when we want it. Instant gratification damages your character because what happens when he's used to masturbating whenever he feels like it and then comes home and one day you're too tired to have sex or you're sick or you're in a meeting or he's just in the shower and all of a sudden wants sex and you're not there in the shower with him. You know, he's going to masturbate because why not? He spent the last however many years, months, whatever, um, learning that he should just do what he wants when he feels like it. And the more we build these habits, the more we rationalize not having to wait, not having to exercise patience, and the less willing we are to wait. And this doesn't just hold true for sex. It spills over into other areas of life. Usually people aren't patient and self-controlled in one area of life and not in others. People tend to be either patient people or not patient people. People tend to have strong willpower or not. As well, the practice of masturbation teaches us to be selfish. Uh, we don't have to focus on anyone else, on how they're feeling, on what they want and what they need. It's all about us. A uh, decision to masturbate is a decision to be selfish. After a year of experiencing purely selfish sex, he is likely going to change as a lover. He will likely be less generous, less concerned with your pleasure, less attentive to your needs. But a man who has decided to wait for you because you are a part of sex... Uh, that is a man who is focused on his wife, not on himself. That is a man who is constantly exercising self-control, patience, and selflessness. That is a man who is more able to integrate back into the family when his tour is done. But he has to want to do it himself. This is not something you can tell him he has to do. Otherwise, he'll just masturbate and hide it, and that will cause even more problems on top of all the ones that masturbation comes with. So that leaves you in a difficult position. What do you do? You can decide for yourself not to masturbate, and you can send them this podcast or a link to the blog post that's going to have all this in it too, uh, and ask him what he thinks of it. But above all, I'd suggest you express that you love him unconditionally, and whatever he does do, he'd rather know than not. Because whatever his decision is, it's better to know and deal with the outcome than to not know and be in the dark about why things have changed so drastically. Uh, at least, that's my opinion. And of course, when you have the opportunity to have a shared experience, like uh, if it's over a video feed or whatever, I don't know, frankly, what technologies are available to you guys, then I'd say take advantage. Our next question is from a husband. He writes, I'm not even sure what question I should ask here. Let me try this. I have no clue what to do to improve sexual intimacy in my marriage. I read with great interest your recent topic on responsive desire and all the reference topics. 
through studying this topic, I am convinced that I have been correct in my feelings that I am totally to blame for living with my wife in a sexless marriage, clinically defined as 10 or fewer times a year. I do not know how to initiate sexual activity with my wife in a direct way, as you suggest in the topics, and hinting doesn't work at all. One thing that I have noticed is that she is generally responsive only under the influence of alcohol. If she is sober, hinting gains nothing. Uh, she says she's tired, has a headache, a backache, tummy ache, too late, etc. And direct requests gain only an irate reaction. Being a much older man, I've relied on sildenafil, recommended by my physician and urologist, to help sustain an erection during sex. But of course, it takes time to work several hours, so probably only 10% of the time I use the pills do we have sex? Clearly, I have a communication problem. All right. So, for those who don't know, first off, uh, sildenafil is um, the generic name for Viagra. And in response, I'm not sure you are totally to blame. You know, if every time you initiate and she's sober, she responds with some sort of defense that equates to no, uh, but when she's inebriated, she generally responds to yes, then it seems like there's something going on in her psyche that's blocking her from willing to experience sex that gets dampened by alcohol. Now, to me, that sounds like more of a psychological block on her end. Now, yes, communication might help mitigate that a bit. Uh, certainly bad communication will make it worse, but I sort of doubt that you're going to solve this by improving your communication on your end alone. And without knowing more, my guess would be that you need something that's going to dig a little deeper. And that might be several in-depth discussions about what sex means to both of you, your views on sex, and what's causing these defenses to come up. Um, and those discussions might need the help of someone such as like Dr. Jessica McLeese, who I've mentioned before, who's a licensed Christian therapist who specializes in marriage and sex. Uh, I'll link to her in the show notes. Um, it, this might be a Bible study that shows that sex is not only not sinful in the right context, namely marriage, but blessed, recommended, and even commanded with the, between spouses. You know, um, and as a note, you should let the Bible or the Bible study convict her about uh, the commanded portion. You saying the Bible says you have to have sex with me is not a good idea in the majority of cases. Um, but quite a few years, uh, we did uh, a Bible study called Intimacy Ignited, which I'll link to, uh, in a small group uh, from church in our home. And it helps a lot of couples. I, I highly recommend it if she's willing to participate. The point is, while I applaud your willingness to take responsibility for this, and you should definitely learn to communicate better, uh, simply learning how to initiate more effectively is not always going to solve issues like this. Uh, in this case, uh, my guess would be that it's going to say take something more intentional on both sides of the marriage. All right, next question. Are there any Christian how-to books or websites you would recommend? My wife and I have been married for three years, and we seem to have really good communication on everything except what happens in the bedroom. I'm definitely the more adventurous one and have been wanting to try out different things from the start, and I'm more or less the only initiator in the relationship. We've talked about trying different things together, and she seems okay with the idea of spicing things up, but she freezes up whenever we try to initiate something other than vanilla. I don't have much trouble talking about what I would like or dropping hints, but she doesn't seem to act on what I have been trying to tell her. On the flip side, though, I just haven't been able to figure out what she likes either. Every time I asked, she says, I don't know, or I just like the usual, which makes me feel like I'm not very appealing since I hardly ever seem to get her aroused. Likewise, she has expressed a lot of frustration in her inability to be aroused or climax 
and has said that she struggles with the idea of being sexy. She doesn't want to treat sex like an obligation, but a lot of the times that is how things feel for both of us. We also just had a baby, so intimacy tends to be a bit rushed of late. So I was hoping to be able to find some resources to help us figure out these things a bit better. I know there's lots of secular books out there, but neither one of us feels comfortable looking through something with graphic photographs slash drawings. Do you have any suggestions? Or is the root of the problem just a lack of communication? So first off, I'd recommend reading a post I wrote called The Worst Time to Spice Up Your Sex Life, because that seems to be just what you're trying to do. Uh, And it's no wonder. I mean, after all, the media has been pushing this idea forever that the fundamental or systematic problems of marriage can be solved simply by adding a new sex position or activity. I even saw an article once from a woman about how letting a guy ejaculate in her nostrils saved their relationship. Uh, I wish I was kidding, but uh, I'll link to the article if you want to see it. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, I kind of hope the article was a joke, but even as a joke, it's it's a pretty good commentary on how we kind of treat relationships and think that, oh, if you just make sex better, it will solve all the problems. And if it wasn't a joke, then I feel very bad for that person. Uh, the point is, I don't think a how-to book is going to help in this case. Uh, arousal is generally more about what's going on in your mind than your technique. Um, not always, but generally. And based on what you wrote, I don't think you're necessarily doing the wrong things physically. Uh, it could just be that she had she just had a baby, you know, that tends to shift a lot of hormone levels around, so you might just need to let that settle a bit. Or it could be that she's struggling to switch from mommy mode to wifey mode, uh, because those tend to be very different things. And it could be that, you know, previously she felt more uh, like she had more spontaneous desire, and she shifted more into a responsive desire modality. And sometimes when people do that, they all of a sudden get the idea of, oh, my sex drive is just gone. I don't want sex anymore. Because they don't realize that, you know, responsive desire actually has to respond to something. Uh, They just think because they're not spontaneously aroused, then they have no sex drive. So, all that said, if you do want to learn a skill that's more likely to help, I have two ideas. One is learn to give really good massages. You know, this will help her relax and it can be an excellent way to transition from day to day stuff to, uh, relaxation to then to foreplay and then build on the arousal. Um, not only because of the physical pleasure, but because of the mental relaxation that goes along with a massage. And secondly, I'd say learn to communicate during sex. You know, I'm finally learning myself after 18 years of marriage and talking to tons of people, uh, and lots of research, just how important it is to arouse a woman's mind more so than their body. You know, you can create a lot of arousal without a single touch if you learn to do it right. Uh, I wrote an introduction to dirty talking to help co- couples, mostly guys, uh, with this. And, you know, it's awkward and weird at first, but it's definitely worth the effort. And I hope to release kind of a next version of that at some point down the road uh, to kind of take it to the next level. Also, as above, uh, with the previous question, you might want to talk to a therapist or check out the Intimacy Ignited Bible study if there are underlying beliefs that are limiting her ability to respond. Next question. Uh, this person writes, I've been wondering about the degree of correlation between sexual satisfaction and being able to engage in the sex acts that interest you. Uh, assuming everything else is decently stable and healthy, but still with good energy and tension within the relationship. Any thoughts? 
So I'm not 100% sure I understand the question, but in general, I think I agree. Uh, the more you engage in sex, the more you tend to enjoy it. Uh, this happens for a few reasons, I think. Uh, number one is our brains like to win. So if you are actively doing something rather than passively experiencing it, your brain tends to send more dopamine to say, hey, we're good at this. You know, we're doing a good thing. That in turn improves your ability to get aroused and even orgasm, which then spirals back into uh, boosting your enjoyment of it. And your brain will actually change your memories of it to say, oh, yeah, you enjoyed this even more than you maybe objectively did in the moment. Second, the more you engage, the more you are likely to add elements that you like. Uh, if you are just starfishing during sex, then it's unlikely that you're going to have a great experience. But if you, say, jump on top and start grinding in a way that you know you like, well, then you're more likely to enjoy it more. And third, uh, there is a feedback loop that happens between two people when they have sex. You know, the more you engage, the more you seem to enjoy it, which makes your spouse pick up on that and then enjoy it more themselves because they feel sexy that they're doing a good job. And this, again, loops back so that you get this ever-increasing kind of feedback loop of pleasure and arousal. Unfortunately, the opposite feedback loop also happens. If you're not enjoying yourself, then that becomes apparent to your spouse, who then gets a lot more anxious about their performance and enjoys it less, which inhibits them more, which is likely to make sex worse again for their spouse, and around and around it goes. So, uh, yes, I think there is a degree of correlation between sexual satisfaction and being able to engage in sex acts that interest you. Hopefully, I understood your question correctly. All right, next question is from a husband. What or how can I help her change from being very submissive to more dominant? She is very dominant in everyday life, but as soon as we get into bed, she is too submissive and just lies there, making it not very exciting for me. Okay, so that doesn't sound like submissive. That sounds like passive. Uh, submissive spouses still tend to be very active, engaged, enthusiastic, etc. Uh, submission does not mean doormat or passive or starfishing. Uh, rather, it sounds like your wife is disengaging for during sex for some reason. She's not submitting, she's checking out. And it could be because she has some limiting belief that tells her that sex is for you, not her, and that she should, you know, I'm going to say quote-unquote submit, but in a passive way, uh, because she thinks she should, but that she shouldn't engage because, you know, quote-unquote, girl, good girls don't do that, or something else. Uh, it's hard to say with so little context, but it sounds like you might have to have a conversation about what sex means to her and what she thinks about it, etc. And that can inform you about what your next step should be. All right, question six. Uh, this husband writes, I normally have to ask her if I can have sex or get sex on a particular day. And she gets mad because I have to keep asking about it. She says, if I don't ask as much... I have a good chance of getting some, but over the last couple months I've tried this, and in the morning she will be like, I was horny last night, and if you asked, you would have got some. What am I supposed to do? Also, why the heck would she not initiate with me if she was in the mood? Okay, so, yeah, there's two things going on. Uh, number one, you said, why isn't she initiating when she's, quote-unquote, in the mood? So that's a question uh, for her that you should ask uh, in a way that's gracious and wanting to understand her more, not in a way that is accusing. Uh, I can't answer it for her. Uh, if you need help with how to ask it of her, you know, you can email me at jn.coveringintimacy.com, more than willing to try to help out. Um, second, and this one might get me in trouble, I'd say stop asking. 
the problem is you're always putting the responsibility for sex on her. You want her to initiate when she's in the mood, and then when you're in the mood, you want her to tell you that it's okay to initiate. Uh, either way, you want her to tell you it's a good time to have sex. And most women don't like to be responsible for sex. They want you to be, uh, you being the husband. And they want to respond. Um, so give her something to respond to. Asking, are you in the mood, is not an initiation. In fact, it's most likely to have the opposite effect. You know, frankly, just start kissing her and start pulling off clothes is probably going to have a better impact than asking, so are you in the mood? Uh, might be worth trying out. All right, next question is from a wife. Uh, she writes, hello, Jay. It's been so helpful listening to your podcast and reading your blog. I really appreciate your objective honoring methods of presenting answers to the questions posed. Here's mine. What is the best approach to help my husband grasp how serious his sleep apnea is to his health, our marital health, and diminishing intimacy, and frankly, my trust? He has had two sleep studies and was diagnosed with both types of apnea, obstructive and central, and has only intermittently used his CPAP. He actually snores so loudly I cannot sleep. He stops breathing altogether and then gasps and sometimes hits slash kicks me as he comes up for air. It's scary and I get so angry and worried that he's going to suffocate. At this point, he's lost his sex drive and I'm exhausted. It's like having a newborn for the last three years, the length of time that we've been married. He works a very difficult job, 12 to 18 days as an electric utility lineman, and he's highly skilled extremely loyal to the field and his crew. However, our marriage suffers, and I've made many attempts at asking him to please take this seriously. I know he feels a great deal of pressure to perform at his job, but I fear we are pushing our luck concerning his health, our couple has a growth, and his poor self-care. I'm weary and sad about his lack of care over these things that hurt both of us. Thank you for your time. Okay, so I think it's time to exercise some healthy boundaries. Uh... And if you want to know more about how to establish healthy boundaries, I have two book suggestions. One's called uh, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk, I believe. The other one is called uh, Boundaries in Marriage by Henry Cloud. And there's a second author that I'm not remembering. I'll link to them in the show notes as well. Um, so what if you told him in a conversation during the day, not when you're getting ready for bed, that you are going to start sleeping in another room because you both need more and better sleep and because it's too hard to watch and hear him continue to suffer when there's help available, uh, that you're afraid of what it will mean for your marriage, that you fear the separation will create even more of a divide, but you don't know what else to do. Then follow through with that, that, it, that night without delay. You know, this would attack the problem from two angles. Uh, number one, it would show you, show him how serious you are about him. It will give him a physical example of the rift that's already being created between the two of you because of this. Because sometimes guys aren't so great at picking up at those, you know, subtle emotional relational type things. If you give him something that he can actually see and experience, like you not being in bed, uh, he might get it. Uh, number two, very simply, you'll at least get better sleep so you can deal with this better. Um, and in our forum uh, where I posted this question originally, one of our supporters uh, said she actually did this. She would lay with him until he fell asleep and then go sleep somewhere else. Uh, it worked for her and eventually her husband got a CPAP machine. But you have to do it out of love, not in anger. You're not trying to strong harm him, strong harm him into doing this. You're saying, 
look, I love you, and this is the way I think will help us most in the long run, uh, by me no longer sleeping with you in the same bed, because it's damaging us. Uh, another good suggestion from our forum was to ask why he doesn't want to get the machine. You know, what about it worries, scares, or annoys him? And just make sure you ask in a way that shows you want to understand, not in a way that sounds like, you know, what is wrong with you? So, try those out. I'd love to know how it goes. Actually, that goes for everybody. I, I, I love to get emails back uh, sometimes months later saying, hey, I asked a question and uh, we tried what you said and it worked. Um, those are fantastic. Those make my day. All right. I got two difficult ones at the end. Uh, so one is, hey, Jay, just wondering, if masturbation is regarded as sin, how do we guide our teenagers to deal with sexual needs? When puberty hits, they will experience desires that can't be met unless they are married. So how can we assist them to cope in a way that will take care of their conscience? And with the degradation of this world, it is likely that they'll be exposed to sexual matters at a much younger age than we have been. Is it even possible for them to enter into a marriage with a healthy attitude to sex? So, I think generally our entire approach to this is wrong. First off, we assume that their desire can't be met. Uh, they can be, just not in the way that we're conditioned to think. We tend to think that desires have to be met with the satisfaction of that desire in some way. But that's not how the Bible deals with untimely or immoral desires. Not that sexual desires are immoral, but the desire to act on them when you're not married is. Uh, it certainly is untimely. The Bible teaches us to meet desires with self-control and patience, which I said in an earlier question, you know, to lean on God for strength. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. So what if we taught our teenagers about sex, uh, about what God's design for it is, about the various temptations and how Satan's trying to distract them from a healthy attitude and experience of sex, you know, about the risks and the potential outcomes of masturbation, porn, and premarital sex, and all the stuff that they get dealt with, um, of what it means to be able to meet your spouse without any other experiences uh, of never having to compare them to another lover. You know, I, I hear so many stories from spouses saying, you know, oh, well, my husband, you know, he's not as good as this previous lover I had, or, you know, my wife told me that you know, I'm not as good as another one, or vice versa. Um, it, things like that hurt people to the core. They, they have an extremely hard time uh, shaking that feeling that they are never going to match up to someone else. Um, if you could just not deal with that, you know, my wife and I have no prior partners. Thank goodness. I wish I had no prior experience to porn. I wish I had no prior experience to masturbation. It, it sucks having to deal with all this stuff later in life. Uh, and is it possible to enter a marriage with a healthy attitude of sex? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I didn't. Certainly not. Because my parents did not talk to it other than don't get pregnant. Well, I mean, I wasn't supposed to get pregnant. I was supposed to make sure no one else got pregnant. Um, and I know a few people who did enter marriage with a healthy view of sex, you know, and it's extremely rare. Uh, but the few that did, they had parents who didn't shy away from talking to them about sex and answering 
any questions that they had about them. Uh, sometimes the stories I hear from these people, I'm like, you talked about that with your parents? Good for your parents. You know, there's no way I talked to my parents about that. We just did not have that kind of relationship. You know, they, their parents were open and honest about sex, you know, making it something glorified in the right context rather than shameful simply out of the habit of never talking about it. So, yeah, I think it's possible. I, I think what we need to teach them is not only, oh, stay away, but this is what you're working towards. Um, because too often we just build up rules and rules and rules, but we don't tell them what the reasons for the rules are. We don't tell them uh, about the relational aspect of it. And as I heard a couple of weeks ago, I love the saying, you know, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And that's what I got. You know, I got a lot of rules about just don't get a girl pregnant. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. But not a why other than because God told you not to. And we told you not to. And that's not a relational thing. That's that's just a rule. And yeah, I rebelled. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of kids do. I think a lot of my listeners did. I think they got a lot of the same upbringing. Um, I think we can do better. I, I'm, I'm trying with my kids. Uh, I hope it works out, but frankly, I won't know for another, who knows how long. Anyways, last question. What can a wife do if she was never attracted to her husband? I knew that I wasn't, but dismissed the red flag because I loved the personality of him. Now I feel stuck and repelled with physical contact. Okay, so the good news is that this can change. You know, uh, neuroplasticity is a wonderful thing. Uh, that's our ability to rewrite, recondition, or even reprogram our brain. Our brains are extremely malleable. Uh, you can change a lot of stuff in them if you try. The problem is most people don't try. Uh, unfortunately, if you've, you've likely been conditioning your brain over the years to believe that you aren't attracted to him. So much so that your brain has responded with repulsion. So the bad news is, you did this to yourself. Uh, the good news is, you can also fix it. And I believe God will help you. Uh, so I would probably take a two-pronged approach to this. Uh, firstly, I'd say pray about it. Ask God to help you remold your mind so that you can be as attracted to your husband's body as you were to his personality. We have plenty of examples in the Bible of people asking God to uh, renew their spirit, change their minds, change their habits, all this stuff. Uh, why not this? Secondly, uh, you can take an active role in retraining your own brain uh, to like how he looks. You know, Our attractions, preferences, etc. are merely preferences that we've basically built over time, and they can be changed. Uh, they do change. Unfortunately, we see this lots of times in people who have uh, spouses who are addicted to pornography, that pornography changes their desires, their likes, their preferences over time uh, to the point that they start um, not liking how their spouse looks because it doesn't match what they've been looking at in porn. Um, but that same kind of mechanism to rewrite your brain can be used uh, to for good. So one, uh, the first thing you can do is focus on aspects that you do like. So I'd say start with his personality since you say you loved it. Uh, loved is past tense, so I'm guessing that it's waning as well due to your kind of condition, your continued negative conditioning. Um, 
So you're going to have to actively look for things that you like about him. Train your brain to notice them more and put weight on those things. Uh, basically, you do this consciously by calling attention to it more often. It's like when you're driving down the road and you see all these cars and you don't notice any that any one car is more popular than the other, maybe. But then you buy a car and all of a sudden you realize everybody else has the same car that you do because your brain has now realized, oh, I'm going to start looking out for this thing. Uh, we play a game with our kids when we're driving where if we see a yellow car, you say the word spadoodle, and, which is hilarious to hear a four-year-old try to spit out the word spadoodle. Uh, but now I can't drive anywhere without seeing yellow cars all the time. Like, they just pop out in my brain because I'm constantly trying to play this game with my kids. Even if they're not in the car, I will see a yellow car and say the word spadoodle if there's no one there point is you can train your brain to look for things uh so train your brain to look for things that you like about him uh you will find them popping out more and more as you focus more and more on it second is you can actually by sheer force of will decide to be attracted to someone and just practice that uh some might call it fake it till you make it but i prefer practice makes perfect uh in our brains, you know, sometimes you have uh, a trigger and then a behavior. So you find someone attractive and then you act like you're attracted to them. Our brains don't really care which one comes first. Uh, they're not necessarily that interested in what caused what. If you, for example, there's this great study about, um, they wanted to know that if, if smiling improves your mood or if your mood improving causes you to smile or it doesn't make a difference which way one goes or the other so they devised a way to tell to figure out which one is which uh, they wanted people to smile without being necessarily happy so what they did is told them to hold a pencil in their mouth using only their teeth and you literally can't do this without smiling uh, in order to get your lips out of the way to hold it with your teeth you have to smile but it's not a real smile it's a it's it's a 100 percent contrived smile and yet, from their testing, the people that were holding a pencil in their teeth, their moods improved. So, uh, basic answer to the story is, like, if you smile, your mood improves. If your mood improves, then you smile. It doesn't really matter which one comes first. If you start acting like you're attracted to him, your brain will become more attracted to him. Uh, it doesn't matter which one comes first. Your brain will just pick it up and go, oh, okay, I'll just continue that loop. So, do things that people do when they're attracted to someone. Uh, not focusing on the negatives, not focusing on the repulsion, but train your brain to think about positive things and then associate it with him. Uh, number three is compliment him mentally and verbally. You know, change the script in your own head from, I'm so not attracted to, I like X about him. Then start telling him things that you like about him. You know, start with his personality first, if that's easier, then start trying to find physical things. Even if it's that he has nice elbows, I, I don't care what it is, find something. Uh, and saying it out loud uh, has a lot more impact on our psychology than just thinking it. Uh, when we say things, it tends to bypass our part of our critical faculty, uh, which is the part of our mind that kind of filters out what's true or not. Um that's why people say things like they have things like mantras that they just repeat over and over and over again. Because when you say things, um, your brain starts to accept it. 
uh, I think this is where people kind of got the, you know, name it and claim it kind of idea from, which I don't particularly subscribe to, but there is a part of the psychology there that is correct. Uh, number four is if you're masturbating, I'd say stop. You know, masturbation includes a lot of the same hormones that you get from sex. Uh, dopamine and oxytocin get released. And if you're using them to train your brain to get sexual pleasure without him, um, if you're stopped, then two things might happen. Uh, first is your fix of dopamine from masturbation will drop off and your brain will actively look for another source, uh, hopefully your husband, uh, which will get your brain already thinking about him as more attractive because he's a potential solution to a problem. And while women don't necessarily go, you know, quote unquote, man crazy when they haven't had sex, their brain does reconfigure uh, a bit to see potential partners as more attractive. Uh, there have been studies on that as well. Uh, so use this to advantage your advantage and, you know, basically point it at your husband. Uh, then if you do have sex, those same chemicals will help you bond to him. Oxytocin will help you feel more loving and kind to him and feel more connected, which will help your impression of him. Dopamine will tell your brain that you're, you know, quote unquote winning when you're with him and our brains like to win. And so they will do whatever they need to do to feel that again, even if it means changing your subtract subjective opinion about him. Uh, it will make him see more attractive to you so that it can get more dopamine. Um, and it's again, it's another mechanism and why not use it? So I hope that helps. Now, if you have any questions of your own, then feel free to visit our have a question page. Uh, I do my best to answer them in a timely manner. Sometimes it takes me a few months. Uh, I'm trying to get back on top of things. That's why I'm only doing September's today so I can get it out and hopefully October's will be out soon because we're almost done in November. Uh, yeah, check out the Intimacy Advent Calendar if you haven't already. If you're not on our mailing list, you might want to join it. I'll put a link to that in the show notes because everybody else knew about this weeks ago. So you still have time. Uh, lastly, I love getting reviews. Uh, reviews help other people kind of know what we're about and it helps them find us. So uh, leave reviews on whatever platform you use, iTunes or Podbean or whatever. Oh, and lastly, if you've been thinking about joining our supporters group, uh, they get kind of they get to see these questions before anybody else does because I post them in our forum uh, as soon as I get them, pretty much. Uh, if you're interested in joining, anybody who joins this month at the five dollar more level gets the Intimacy Advent Calendar for free. So if you've been wanting to check it out, uh, now's the time to do it. That's it for now. See ya.